This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is... You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This programme was previously broadcast live on Love Sport Radio. So some items may be out of date. For more podcasts or to listen live, visit lovesportradio.com. You are listening to the Crystal Palace Fan Show on Love Sport Radio. And already, there are some smiles in the studio, as there should be, because what a result it was on the weekend. I'm joined by the Back of the Nest podcast, and what a show we have in store for you. We're going to be talking about that brilliant away win to West Ham on the weekend, and that good vibe. Well, that will continue into the international break. Lovely to go into a break like that off the back of a brilliant away win. And if that wasn't enough, we're going to be talking to Sean Derry, who's the current academy coach, just about how it's going for him and also talking about Crystal Palace's start this season. And looking at those, well, Zaha once again, dominating the headlines, dominating the game. He's had quite a bit to say on social media about his agent and people making stories out of nothing and about his head being all over the place because of transfer speculation. It is going to be one show indeed, but as always... You can have your say because it's your team, your voice. Tweet us at Love Sport Radio or call us on 0208 7020 558. This is the Crystal Palace Fan Show. Well, we have to start at the top. Crystal Palace beating West Ham on the weekend. Not many pundits, not many people were picked, uh, picking Crystal Palace for the win. As James quickly turns his attention to me, our eyes met then. He was like, yeah, go on. Mention that you was one of them. Say you was one of them. Both I'm, of us. Yeah, I know that you two obviously were predicting Palace for the win. Good on you. I'm very, I'm glad you did. But West Ham, a great start to the season for them. We just had the West Ham fan show. They were talking about what they felt. They felt like they deserved a draw, but they... They actually gave a lot of credit to Palace. They said they came, they performed and executed their tactics absolutely to perfection. Roy sent them out to do a job. They'd done that. Three points for them. No arguments with the VAR. They was gutted with a rice handball. Let's get the Crystal Palace perspective. What did you two make of it? DR, I'll start with you. I mean, if you look at the game um, last year, I think it was last season, when we went to West Ham, we performed pretty well in the first half. And then when it, come, when it came to the second half, that's when we collapsed. So that's just one thing that I was looking forward to going into the game. Can we maintain our good play for the whole 90 minutes? And in the first half, I thought we'd done pretty well in terms of containing West Ham um, and not allowing them to have that many chances. When they did have the chances, it was from our very silly mistakes. But we'll talk about Gaeta in a bit, but credit to him. He was just an absolute 
machine at goal. Like, he saved us once again. Without him, I don't think we would have got all three points, to be fair. And then the mentality of coming back after being 1-0 down away from home against West Ham, who, who are doing good so far this season. They were fourth before the game started. It's just massive. And I was actually shocked in a way. I wasn't really expecting us to turn around like that. I thought we'll concede a silly goal and it'll be all over. Maybe we could draw, but winning it, away from home in the manner that we did was just a shock to me and credit to the players really because we've slated them about character all season long and this time they did actually turn up and deliver. Just uh, We're also joined by James Howard. Just before we get James's thoughts, Dio, would you say for you, I know the Man United was a huge result, mm. but this was your performance of the season so far, would that be fair to say? Uh, Yeah, I'll say that. I think United and the West Ham game is very close in terms of, you look at United game, we defended absolutely brilliantly for the whole 90 minutes, but the West Ham... It sounds weird, but the West Ham one, in a way, was more of a shock. I think it's because the way that we went 1-0 down. And if you look at our fixtures against West Ham in the past, we re- we don't really tend to get that many results against them. So I feel like this one was a bigger shock than the United one, in a way. James, a bigger shock, but maybe the, arguably one of the best performances on the season. The smiles are, are being flaunted in the studio. How did you feel after the game on the weekend? I'm still feeling it now. I'm absolutely <laughs> over the moon. I mean, I was punching my fist when I walked in here because I was. I'm still happy about it. And we've got you know two weeks to gloat about it again. <laughs> Always so, nice when you go into the international yeah. break off the win, ain't it? Absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. I agree with Dr. I, personally, um, I thought we had a yeah we had a very good first half. I thought we were um, good at passing. I thought we knocked the ball around pretty well. Very slick. Um, I think we still you know had a couple of half chances. I, I think. Um, James McCarthy and Zaha trickery that set up possibly Schlupp or someone. Um, and it was, it was a soft attempt, but it was cleared off the line. Um, and then, yeah, we, we, it was it was up backs against the wall for some, some time in the, the game in the second half. Uh, and, uh, you know, we had to get our back, our back into the game and we did. And it was fortunate because of the handball incident. But, it you know, it's it's we were still looking positive and we still had our chances. And then I, from that that's that stage onwards, I just thought we're going to win this. This is, always happens to us. We get an equaliser, and then you know we get the winner in the, the last few minutes or the last last five or ten minutes, and and that's what we did. Well, Crystal Palace have uh, developed a knack for scoring goals very late. The Man United won, the West Ham won, but it was well on side. There was no, I mean, I know VAR played its part, mm. luckily, because they was they said disallowed go at the start, but it was well on side. I, I thought it was in. offside. I'll, I'll be like before, like before. No, the but VAR, I mean now yeah, yeah. you've seen it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean at first I thought it was offside, and it just shows why VAR is needed. Mm. I know Nick's not here, but we'll talk about him. Um, we'll talk to him later on in, in the show. But it's just the fine margins like that. Some people argue that yes, it's ruining the game. If it's that close, then it shouldn't be offside. But he was offside, and you just don't mm. see it with the naked eye. At first, when I was like, oh, they're just checking VAR, it's, it's still offside because they did show a couple angles and it did look like it. But credit to VAR. Well, this is it. Sorry, James, I know you want to get in here, but, you know, we're very quick to moan as football fans and we say, oh, VAR is spoiling the spectacle. But it's moments like this. It's still very early on in the season, but wherever Palace end up, you know, those those two extra points could be vital to where they finish, maybe verging on Europe somewhere else. You never know how season's going to play out. This is why DR pointed it there, what VAR was in for, because you've just come in punching in the, the fist in the air, James, buzzing into the studio, smiles. Had it been 1-1, it could have been a different hour, couldn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, what I was going to say is um, 
I'm absolutely for VAR because mm. we've now had years of criticism of officials, mm. uh, whether it's managers, players, uh, pundits, commentators on TV, radio. They're constantly, constantly criticising mistakes. And now we've got proof of if a mistake has happened and we can rectify that. And I think it's, for this particular situation, I think it's fantastic because you've got proper evidence that shows you that it was a clear goal that was onside. And no one no one can, can blame anyone. I mean, we've still got the situation of the ruling on the handball, that kind of thing. But, but as far as I'm concerned, um, VAR was needed, especially for this type of situation, because we were wasting so much time you know, with pundits criticising officials that it, it was, yeah, it had to happen because it's happening in other sports and it has happened for many years in, in cricket, rugby, tennis. Yeah, I think we definitely needed to catch up. It's so vital because, you know, like DR said, and he's a Palace fan, he wants it to be a goal, he wants the three mm. points, but very quickly to the naked eye, he thought it was offside. Yeah. So we're not having a go at the linesman getting it wrong, but now it's in place to say, look, we can overturn it, we can overrule it. It was actually onside, it was actually a goal. And and to credit to, I mean, only two West Ham fans on a West Ham uh, fan show, they said no arguments. It was onside, we can't argue about it. It doesn't matter how close, we know it is very close. But it's onside. And also, when you look at the end of the season, it's always so tight. Um, this you know, is it. What, at the last game of the season, you could always move up a couple places. And that couple places, it doesn't seem too big to us, but that's a financial thing. If you move 100%. up one or two places, then you could earn an extra £4 million. And we talk about how it's a business. And I feel like every every game matters. And that's why having VAR there, even this earlier on in the season it, it does matter you know for them getting a the correct decision yeah and, and like you say add additional to that it's, there's too much money involved in football now mm. if it comes down to the point on the last game of the season that two points and we're, we're relegated then yeah. you have to say that these three points stopped us from getting relegated I'm not saying we'll be in a relegation exactly. battle but that's the point I want to make is that you know, it could be the difference between getting relegated and losing a hundred plus million pounds mm. because of an incorrect decision. Well, hold on a minute, James. Let's not talk about relegation <laughs> because it's only eight games in, but we want positivity and happy yeah. on this show. I mean, it's played eight, 14 points. Arsenal are in third with 15. Leicester are in the top four with 14. Big wins away at Man United, West Ham. We're looking upwards. We're not looking down. Surely yeah. they are. Yeah, exactly. you got City next. If you beat City, you're second. Well, there you go. We've <laughs> already done the other Manchester side. This is it, you know. But let's talk about that because how good can this team be? Or, or are you still not sure? Because, you know, after the brilliant victories, Man United, West Ham, we're talking about, we know we get the inconsistent games and we get the, the poor sloppy defeats. What have you seen of this team now? Are we going to see more days like the one we did against West Ham or more negative days? Because we're not quite sure we are, where we are with this team. We constantly talk about Roy Hodgson on this show. But again, it's another result and we have to give him props as well, don't we? Because they were well drilled on the weekend. You know, they performed, they executed the game plan to perfection. This was a typical Roy Hodgson victory and it's another three points. He has to get a lot of the credit, doesn't he, DR? I think he does. And even before the game, when I saw the lineup, actually some people were annoyed in a way that Max Meyer and Kamarasa didn't start. But I gave, you know, I was like, Roy, I understand what you're doing once again by putting McCarthy in for Luca. I mean, what people have to realise is that you, there's a balance and in terms of how we defend, you need to make sure that you have the right place to attack and also um, defend in midfield. And by him putting McCarthy there, it was more of a like-to-like swap with Luca, and it worked out pretty well. He, McCarthy hasn't played, I don't, 
that was his first start. No, I think that might be in his second start for us. I think he played in the cup as well. But he was brilliant on the day. And considering that before he joined us, he's hardly played any game due to injuries, unfortunate injuries. It was brilliant. And the way that Royce implemented his ideas into the squad um, by including players like McArthur and uh, McCarthy and also McArthur, both of them started. It worked out pretty well, I thought, in midfield. We were very compact. And as I said, we... They didn't create that many chances and when they did do, it was from our little silly mistakes and I feel like that happens now and then, it, regardless of how good you're playing, it's still football. Yeah, going back to your point, Charlie, about you know where can Roy take this team? Um, well, I believe that he's he's come out in the press obviously this week and said I really need to get another striker in January because we haven't really replaced... 100%. We haven't, you know, we lost Batshuayi who was on loan and we haven't really replaced that that person that player um so i think this team can push on um and i think we can be uh top 10 we need to get a striker like roy says we need to probably retain zaha um otherwise if we do lose him we're gonna need to really sort of get get replacements maybe one or two additional replacements instead of zaha um but uh yeah if Roy's happy to stay on and and we can do that then I certainly you know I'm not going to get ahead of myself here but I think you never do I never do <laughs> no and to be honest with you you know I'm happy with what I'm seeing I'm happy yeah. with what he's doing with with you know uh, the tools he's been given and I think that you know personally from the last couple of seasons you know I think if we can push on top 10 um then yeah that we're going in the right direction look take it game by game uh let's not look too far ahead i mean it's been a good start and the problem with us is that can we keep it up consistently i remember under alan pardew um first half of the season until december end of november we were around fifth sixth and then we were then we didn't we hardly won games in the, um in the new year so it's, it's about just taking it game by game, the players keeping focus, but I feel like we could have a decent season and, as you said, finishing the top half. Well, taking it game by game is the message from DR. James said he's not getting carried away, but it does look very exciting, currently in sixth position. But James is right, goals scored is an issue. Roy wants to add another striker. We're going to be talking about those issues, but who better than to speak to next is Sean Derry, the current Crystal Palace Academy coach. For the fans, by the fans, Love Sport Radio. You are listening to the Crystal Palace Fan Show on Love Sport Radio with me, Charlie Hawkins, and I'm joined in the studio with the Back of the Nest podcast, James Howard and DR Kern, as we are talking everything where Crystal Palace is concerned. That brilliant victory away to West Ham on the weekend. There is a feel-good vibe, just bubbling under. If I say bubbling, that bubble was burst for West Ham, mm-hmm. but it's bubbling under for Crystal Palace. That f- That is for sure, and the egos, well, they are starting to soar just that little bit higher. How high? Can they go? Well, a man who will know a little bit more about that. I'm delighted to say now, Sean Derry has joined us. Sean, thank you so much for giving us a little bit of your time. It's a real pleasure to talk to you, and you always give such a wonderful insight. You're currently the academy coach. We'll get to the kids and how it's going for you. But what have you made of Crystal Palace season so far? Hi, guys. Good evening. Um, yeah, it's um, it's been a fantastic start, hasn't it? You know, it's um, it's been a real solid start. I mean, uh, If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Expecting a real tough game and it presented it to be just out of the weekend at West Ham. So just come away with the three points, especially with West Ham starting as they have in their season as well. Um, it was brilliant. Absolute brilliant away. And I mean, Palace have shown that, haven't they, over recent years, that their away form has been, has, has been stunning, really. Hi, Sean. Um, last week, we were actually talking about the academy and um, player development. This season, if you look at the summer, hardly any of the under-23s went out on loan. Um, is, are there any plans in January to send some of them out on loan just for their development, to help the development? Of course, you know, that's, the, 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 that, that's part of the, um, the academy system. You know, it's not just here at Crystal Palace, but, you know, up and down the, up and down the country with the 23s. Um, the challenge is, is obviously, you know, the players have got to be performing week in, week out when they get the opportunity to pull on the shirt for whether it's the, the 23s or whether it's the 18 shirt to, to, to prove that they've got that ability and they've got that opportunity to go out on loan as well. So, But for us as coaches, you know, we need to make sure that, you know, we give them the, the best, possi- best possible chance to achieve what their short-term aims are. I mean, it's not going to be the long-term aim going out on loan because mm. the long-term aim is hopefully pull on that shirt for Crystal Palace in the Premier League. So what exactly went um, wrong in the summer? I mean, in terms of, I, I find it quite surprising, to be fair. Normally you would expect to see a couple of them go out on loan, but if you're looking at the outs, and um, it just seemed like none of them went out on loan. What, what exactly went wrong? Well, obviously, you know, I've only just arrived over yeah. the past six weeks, yeah. so it'd be... Um, very wrong to me to make a, a mm. judgment on, on on the recent history, but I mean, you say you know there was it, it all went wrong in the summer. I don't think you can just stipulate a success over one window. You know, you, I don't think you can just say, listen, it's been a success or a failure over one window. I think it's this academy system's not just over six months; it's over three years probably from the time that you come out of out of school into you know the first couple of years of the 18s. And then the first year into the 23s. So, what I would say is, um, when you're thinking about putting young players into an environment where hopefully they're going to go and thrive, you got to make sure that the blend's right. You got to make sure it's the right club. You got to make sure that it's the right manager and it's the right environment for the players to thrive. 
And sometimes, you know, as much as there was limited activity in the summer, you might get more activity in the January window where, you know, there might be a team that's pushing for the top six or one that's obviously needs a little bit more, of, you know, a few more different faces to escape relegation. So, and that's the, that's the difficulty with the six-month window as opposed to what it was a couple of years ago when it was just the one month, you know, you could go out for one month. And it's, 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 it's a different possibility now. Sean, you mentioned there there wasn't much activity. We're looking for the, that next window, if there is. But what about the next hot crop of youngsters coming through, the next potential talent? You know, we saw it Wan Bissaka last year. Where's that next superstar coming from? Please tell us it's in the academy. Who should we watch out for? <laughs> of course, that's a dream, isn't it? You know, to go and see another Wan Bissaka come through the system. And that's the challenge for us as coaches as well. Um, but like I say, you know, it's, you don't get them every five minutes. You know, they do come few and far between. Now, we have got some good young players in the system. You know, like I say, I've only been there for six weeks. So uh, I can't honestly give you the, an absolute in-depth of who's who and what's what. But I can say that, you know, the players that I've worked with over this last six weeks, I've got some tremendous ability. Yeah, hi, Sean. It's James here. Um, I'm interested to know, and I know you haven't been in the club for, for that long, but obviously as a player, you were at the club for, for many years um, and a couple of times, and uh, I've watched you play and I've very enjoyed watching you play. Um, but uh, I, I'm interested to know that you say, you know, you just mentioned that you've got some, you've obviously observed you've got some very good young players there. Um, uh, do you think Roy is the manager that will allow these young players the opportunity to uh, get um, onto the pitch, whether it be as a substitute or, or full-time? Or do you think that they're going to be overlooked unless we're, it's a dire emergency, a bit like the Wambasaka case where we were so injury-prone uh, that we had to play him? Um, and maybe, you know, the best bet for them is like DR said, they've just got to get out on loan and prove themselves in lower leagues. Well, look, you know, the Premier League is an unbelievable challenge. It really is. You know, I was fortunate enough to play in there um, for a couple of seasons myself. So I know just how hard um, that level is. And when you're Crystal Palace and you've been in there for six, seven years, you know, to go and blood a young player into that level, it is difficult in itself. Now, Roy's a vastly experienced manager. I mean... Guys, you know, we, we all know the history that he's had and we know how many games he's managed at various levels. So he knows what he's doing. Very, very much knows what he's doing. He's a, and he's always in, you know, dialogue with us, with, um, with, with the um, younger coaches. And, it, you know, kind of, obviously, because we're on two sites, this, the Copas Coat Road site and this, the academy site that's just down the road. And, yeah, you know, he's always interested. He's always at the 23s. I mean, if you was to come down to Sellers Park and see us play, you'll see Roy Hodgson and all the senior management watching every single home game. And they'll always take a lot of interest in what happens away from there as well. So, of course, he's, um, you know, he's, he's our manager and he takes loads of interest in the, um, in, in the younger players. You've been, um, you know, you've been involved in coaching before you come into Palace, of course. Um, what's it like... Um, dealing with the academy in compared to uh, managing, for example, the first team, uh, are the, what's the new challenges like for you? Oh, it's a different challenge altogether. You know, it's, um, of course, you know, it's football day in, day out, and it's great to be on the grass, and it's great to develop and work closely with the players, but 
as we've seen today, I mean, I think there's been three managers sacked in the last 24 hours. So, mm. you know, the pitfalls of being involved at, a, at the first team level and being a manager at the first team level as well. I mean, you know, the tides can turn very quickly over the course of four to six games. It's, you know, somewhat different with the academy because it is developing young players. And that's a different challenge in itself. Sean, just very quickly then, Palace are six. They're riding high. It's been a great start to the season from them. Can they keep this up? What can we expect uh, this year? And what is the, the general expectation? What can they achieve? Well, firstly, you know, it's still early days in the season, but it's been a brilliant start and it gives them a great platform to go forward. Um, you know, coming into the international break on a what was a, was, a, was a brilliant performance and a, obviously a positive three points, that should take us really confidently into these next group of games. I don't want to, I've never been one for setting kind of, you know, challenges of where you're going to finish the season because, you know, you know, you guys watch it week in, week out, not just at Crystal Palace, but at various other clubs. You know, the highs and lows of a season can turn from one month to the next. So let's just take it slowly, just take it into the next group of games. Couldn't agree more. Sean, a real pleasure to hear from you tonight. Thank you for giving us a little bit of your time because I know you are extremely busy with that academy. Sean Derry there. Uh, real real insight to hear a bit. What, what he's saying with the kids. He's only been there six weeks. Roy Hodgson's always down there. What did you make of that? I think it's very good. Um, we were talking about last week and it's very important for these uh, for our youth to actually develop because as I said, I feel like it's a domino effect when you don't have the under-23s going out on loan, then it prevents the under-18s going up to the under-20. Like, so it's, it's a good message that they're trying to get them out in January and hopefully uh, more players do go out on loan because under Roy, I just don't see many of the youth playing unless we have injuries. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I agree with what you're saying, but I was really nice to learn that Roy and the team go and watch all the matches and the youngsters. So that, for me, was a really positive thing that I got out of that because, you know, Roy's obviously very busy. He's got to, you know, go and observe other teams for tactics for getting to the next game and he's got to train the team and, you know... Uh, it's it's a tough job apparently being a Premier, yeah. Premier League manager you've got to be all over the country and busy every day so I'm really impressed with that um, and I think Sean was a great servant of Crystal Palace um, a good, good player and he seems a really nice guy I've met him in my local local high street I don't know if he's still living there but yeah he used to live locally so he's a lovely guy and uh, yeah I think he'll do he'll do a really good job well, let's hope so six weeks into the job we're seeing what happens next with the academy can they unearth that next star well next let's talk about star that they already have is the superstar of the first team we're going to be talking all about Zaha from Ali to Zaha we've got it covered Love Sport Radio you are listening to the Crystal Palace Fan Show on Love Sport Radio with me, Charlie Hawkins, and I'm joined in the studio with the Back of the Nest podcast, James Howard and Dr. Kern. As we were just speaking to Sean Derry, we were really happy with that chat. It was a real, it was a pleasure really for him to give us a little bit of his time. He is the academy coach. He is new to it, six weeks in. So just to get that insight was really good. Roy Hodgson there going to watch those 20, under 23s. A really good chat. We were talking all about that brilliant victory away to West Ham on the weekend. Another away victory in the bank three points earned there let's talk though because a uh, few storylines have come up this week of course it is it's the man of the moment it's the man of all moments it is Wilfred Zaha this time a couple of quotes this weekend uh, or this week shall I say one he uh, said that the transfer speculation at the start of the season mucked up his head that was that was down to his poor performances that's what he was blaming now he's getting back into river and we kind of said this on the show very worried when it gets back to january how that will affect him there and also 
he tweeted today. He said people want to make up stories or something along that yeah, line. He about said, his agent. About his agent. That continues to be a problem. There are always some kind of stories revolving Zaha. What are your thoughts on the latest ones, DR? Um, I mean, I'm not surprised that his head was all over the place. Um, it's just the fact that he wanted to move on to a bigger club, and I understand that. And it all happened a bit too quickly. Last week of the transfer um, window and him putting a transfer request in the last day, basically. So not surprised about that. At least he knows that it affected him and that he has to realise that he has to focus on football rather than actually moving away because he can't do anything about it right now. But, I mean, you can see it over the last couple of performances that he has put his head down and that he has returned to his old form because the best thing that Zaha could do right now is the fact that he could perform and show people that he is worth that price tag that Palace have put on him. And I feel like over the last three games, he has been performing. And with Zaha, there's always going to be media attention and it's been like this since day one. It's because, first of all, it was that Zaha was a diver. It started from that. And then it just, it just continued from there. There's always constant media attention. And I guess that if you're a player like Zaha and playing at the top, top level and have interest, it's just an easy clickbait for many media companies to go and target him. Yeah, I, I, I quite agree. Um, and I think over the summer, he was ill-advised. I believe he's got rid of his agent since. Um, he was misinformed. There's so much newspaper speculation now about who's bidding what, what people's values are. None of it is probably, most of it is probably misinformed. Um, so he's thinking, you know, people are bidding £70 million for him, when in fact people are only bidding £50 million. Now, you know, there's no, not necessarily any evidence of that. So that must be really tricky because he thinks the club have, have agreed for him to go at a certain level, which might be 80 million or 70 million. He sees the reports coming to say that, you know, clubs are bidding at that level. However, maybe that isn't necessarily so. So there's a lot of frustration there um, because, to be fair, he, he's been at Palace for quite a number of years and maybe he did want to have an opportunity to play in Champions League or, or play for a top five club and he felt that he was being held back. Um, the good news is that he's obviously told this BBC Africa that he's got his head down now, he's happy playing with the team again, he wants to, you know, enjoy his football again. He looks like, I wouldn't say he's back to playing as as well as he was last season at this point. Yeah. He hasn't scored any goals this season, and he scored, I think, 10 last season. But he, he, he obviously has, he is more focused, he has got his head down, but I think we still need him to really improve a bit more, especially for personal reasons if he does want to go, because at this present stage, my valuation of him is lower than it was at the end of last season, to be honest. But wow, OK. The thing with Zaha is that, yes, he's not scoring goals, but if you actually watch him play, he's actually helped out the defence a lot in terms of grinding back and helping Joe Wood. And the most noticeable game was the Wolves... Was it? no the Norwich one where he was just up and down the pitch up and down the pitch and I feel like that is actually is helping out the team a lot so I think he's taking a bit of a sacrifice um, in terms of going back and not always staying forward to help the better of the team because we've seen Joel Wood struggle before and I feel like Joel Wood has actually got the benefit by having Zaha constantly going back and helping him out and that's one area that people haven't really talked about over this last couple of games the fact that Zaha has been very good defensively yeah but I, I personally I, I I think that it's wasted using him defensively I think you know we need to Roy or we need to to exploit him in the opposition half and we need to to get the best out of him because he's the one which we all we all 
argue in here week in week out that we can't unlock un unlock defenses. Well, he's the player that's going to do it. So how's he going to do that if he's going back, covering fullback position? But but there were times even against West Ham where he didn't go back and he was up the pitch and we actually struggled to bring the ball towards him. Maybe not maybe, but when he does go back and help out and win the ball back. We the counter attack is more effective rather than him staying up there because he's just pushing the ball up the pitch and sometimes he can get frustrated because he's all the way up the pitch and no one's actually delivering the ball to him but when he actually goes back and gets involved there and starts picks up the ball there then it's just better for the whole team and we look more effective going forward. Is it a worry that he's saying you know obviously the transfer transfer speculation wasn't good for my head my head was in the shed now I'm I'm back on it I'm getting up to like match fitness match match sharpness you know the performances will come he hasn't scored yet but he will is it worrying that we'll only get to January or we'll only get to next year and then we'll sort of have the saga repeating itself all over again you know you don't want to cycle a yo-yo story almost James well it might happen again and we have to cross that bridge when we get to it um but the same I think the same issues are going to arise I think the club is going to have a valuation for him and they're not going to let him go for less than that especially not but halfway if, through if, the season if, if it gets you know you're saying he's not near that valuation mm. what if those performances drop you can't stick at a valuation if his performances have no. dropped and the time it will be running down in his contract if it gets too close teams will be like we'll wait till we can get him on a free we can approach him anything that, that's a dangerous tricky area we're seeing what Spurs are having with, with Ericsson you don't want to get into that bit and then lose any potential transfer money that you could get for Zaha DR would you agree with that yeah I would um, but I feel, I feel like with Zaha there's always going to be speculation when mm. when transfer window comes even before this window it was the fact that oh Zaha wants to move to Tottenham and I feel like his agent added fuel to the fire he has left his agent um, it's just let's just see who comes in to represent him and what approach they use because the approach his agent used before had impacted him impacted his reputation but I mean, in January, I don't think we will... I, I, I'm saying this, but you never know. But I don't think we'll lose Zaha in January because there's actually been claims that, oh, um, another, I think, someone wants to take over Palace uh, for 210 million. A, a report came out, I think, last week. So keeping an asset like Zaha would be massive for them and it would be more attractive for new owners to come in. Yeah, historically, under the current climate and regime we don't like letting players go for less than what we paid for and what we think they're valued. I mean, look at Ben Teke, you know, near enough yeah. 30 millions. We've been persevering with him for seasons by season, two or three seasons now. And, you know, they may or may not allow him to go in January for a cut price, 5 million, 10 million, who knows? I don't, I, I think that the club will be reluctant to let Zaha go, even if he is having a poor season for yeah. anything less than what we probably valued him at the end of last season, which conservative valuation of maybe 70 million. But but if they do let him go, I feel like his valuation is going to drop over the next two, one or two seasons mm. because he's, he's 26 turning to 27. So he's at his peak. So if we were to sell him, I mean, it sounds crazy, but now would be the right time to do that because you'll probably get the most money out of him. Um, so the club have to make a decision there. But it's all a bit confusing now because there's no real st stability going forward. The American owners clearly do want out. And it's just the fact that what do the owners want? Um, what what does Steve Parrish want? Because there's the report suggests that he, he's willing to dilute his stake as well at the club. So, I mean, if you keep Zaha, as I said, you keep 
and that massive asset there and it makes it more attractive and arguably you could say that we are becoming a more attractive club to stay at because if we get to january and we are in a position where we are in at the moment and roy is allowed to purchase a striker which is what he's wanted to do since you know last year yeah. <laughs> uh wilf might turn around and think do you know what this isn't bad, actually, after all. I know I'm, this is my club that I enjoy playing with. I know my teammates. I get to play every week. We've now strengthened the team. I'm going to stay here. Yeah, I, I agree. And you'd like to think that from fans. But if he wants that European football, if he wants that Champions League, that will trump always knowing the club and knowing his friends. you want to jump Yeah, in? and I don't think it's only European football and Champions League. It's just playing for a bigger club with better players that are surrounded around him. Maybe he wants that challenge to see that how he would fit like that because he hasn't had the opportunity to really do that. He wants to redeem his Man United phase and he wants to show people as well. You know, He's a king competitor. He wants to show people that he can live up to yeah. the expectations. But then again, like. you look at Juan Bissaka. I mean, I know this sounds harsh, but he's in a relegation battle right now with United. They are throwing shade on Man United. We're, we're go for European Unbelievable. <laughs> Let's just quickly talk about another incident because they brought you up on the West Ham show uh, and it is Zaha. The whole spitting incident. Did you see it? What did you make of it? What did you have to say? DR, I know you saw it. Um, I mean, it's just foolish to suggest that Zaha um, tried to spit on Declan Rice. Declan Rice was off the pitch and he was miles away from Zaha when the incident happened. And I feel like with Zaha... Um, not that I've, I can't remember uh, off my head if I've seen it before, but knowing Zaha as a player and how he gets frustrated, I'm not surprised that he did spit, but he didn't spit at Declan Rice. If you actually look at the video, he spat on the ground and they had a battle before that. So it was more like, oh, he spat on the ground and it was like to Declan Rice, all right, let's have it then, like, let's go, let's go again or whatever, mm. rather than, oh, I'm going to spit on Declan Rice. So I feel like people misinterpreted the whole spitting thing. And if you look at the, the wider angle, De Declan Rice is hardly even in the shot when Zaha spits on the ground. So it's just nonsense. Two words, bad losers. Oh, I don't think they were. I think they said Crystal Palace were worthy, <laughs> no, but they brought it up. It's, 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 they, they weren't, but in terms of West Ham fans in general on social media, they haven't stopped about it. Mm. Like they have. I mean, we didn't play great. I understand that, but they've always had this agenda against Wilfred Zaha. I remember a couple of seasons ago. He does come yeah, yeah. coming for a lot of stick. Yeah, I remember. Ham. I remember a couple of seasons ago at Sellers Park, they were singing. Uh, like you can't play for England or something along them lines and then he goes and scores like they they always they've always disliked Zaha for whatever reason they think he's overrated but I mean you can't say that he's spouting someone you know, that's just too much the allegations you're you're you look at a video there's nothing like that just for well, there you have it uh, DR has put the story to bed there was no spitting incidents Declan Rice was miles away from Zaha when he'd done it he didn't need to do that they did get the three points on the weekend we're delighted to say that next we will be talking to Nick Gillard and uh, let's say he's not the biggest fan of VAR but maybe was he on the weekend <laughs> Giving your team a voice. Love Sport Radio. You are listening to the Crystal Palace Fan Show on Love Sport Radio with me, Charlie Hawkins, and I'm delighted to say I'm joined in the studio with a very happy James Howard and DR Kernas from the Back of the Nest podcast. And there is still time to get in touch this evening. Tweet us at Love Sport Radio or call us on 0208 70 20 558. You can also WhatsApp on the same number. But this is the Crystal Palace Fan Show. This is the Back of the Nest podcast. It would not be complete if we didn't hear from Nick Gillard and all he had to say on the weekend. Now, Nick, uh, you're not the biggest fan of VAR. You say it ruins it for the paying punter, that moment of euphoria. But I'm uh, guessing that then by 
that statement, you wasn't celebrating that winner when that de- decision got overturned. The, hello, uh, everybody. Um, I hate it. I really do. I was watching it on telly, and they were getting rulers out or electronic rulers. It's ridiculous. Um, I thought if the linesman put his, I thought the linesman wasn't meant to put his flag up and just wait and see what the VAR did. So it felt like a disallowed goal that was corrected, rather than the goal being given or not given. If that that, that makes sense, um, I think it's the rule more than the VAR. But just watching the players standing round, wondering what was going on. All those poor people would have paid thirty, forty quid to go and watch the game. It's not showing what's going on with the VAR on the screens in the ground. It's just showing. VAR review, we might as well have a game of Pac-Man on our phones while we're waiting, you know, for the, for the uses. And I, I, I still don't like it, even though we benefited, because there'll be other games when we don't. Nick, I completely agree. It's completely different for the paying punt night in the stadium. But surely, I, and, and I'm fair play to you, you're standing by your claims. You still don't like it. But this could have been one point for Crystal Palace. It turned into three. We don't know how vital that extra two points are at the end of the season. Surely, this is what VAR was brought in for. You know, justice has been served. Surely, you've got to be delighted with that. This has worked in Crystal Palace's favour. Yeah, but it could have just easily not worked. Um you know, I mean, I think the rule needs to change with the offside because it's so exact now. It's, you know, it's it's just ridiculous, Charlie. It really, really is. Um, we'll get decisions for us. We'll get decisions against us, whether there's VAR or not. Swings and roundabouts. It balances out. But I still maintain TV stations are there to broadcast football matches, not dictate how the games run. And we're going too far that way that way and I was worried that a few people would be converted by VAR just because we had a good decision but it doesn't take away the fact that it's rubbish but Nick it's only eight games played like it's like it's not like we've had VAR for five years and it's the same thing it's eight games played I'm pretty sure they'll review it after the season's done and see where they can improve on VAR doesn't work all around the world the same way in Turkey the referee actually goes to the screen to see the decision himself so I mean it will change over time uh, then, as you said, it'll go against us as well. Then what, what's that all about? Different rules in different countries. What does that mean? You have a different rule for VAR if you're playing in the Champions League than you have a rule for VAR if you're playing in the English not, Premier League. It's not really it, it, it rule. Be... It's just you, the referee goes and sees the decision himself on the TV rather than VAR making the t- decision on his behalf. I mean, things will improve. I, I, over time, things will improve. But I want to talk to you about uh, Vicente Gaeta because in the first half, I thought it was pretty compact. But when they did have the chances, Vicente came up big and he saved us big time. What have you made of him so far this season? He's got excellent reflexes, hasn't he? I mean, how he, how he stopped that one in the first half. All right, the ball seemed to come at him, but he still had to put his, his right hand out to the right a bit to actually block it. And the strength he must have in his wrist to actually stop a ball like that because it was really hurling at him wasn't it yeah hi Nick I didn't think he got much credit for that save actually no because the VAR took away everything else from the game (laughs) nobody's talking about the game they're talking about the VAR I watched a a West Ham video thing and they were talking about they they kind of agreed that Palace should have had the goal but Mm. they didn't like it no I don't know anybody that likes it genuinely I like it and the more people I talked to who said they liked it at the start don't like it anymore. 
yeah, get rid. Are those fans that where VAR's gone against them? Because I know you're saying, oh, we're going to have it go against us, but it will only go against you if it believes you are wrong. I mean, if that happened to West Ham and we're saying, you know, the goal was onside and they got the 2-1 win, it was onside. So it's not going against you. It's just upholding the rules there, uh, Nick. All you're doing is moving the interpretation of what happened to somebody else. You're taking it away from the ref and to a bloke watching it on telly somewhere up north or in the Midlands somewhere. They're still up for interpretation. Who knows whether they're going to get it right. They're going to make mistakes. But, mo- but there's still going to be mistakes. But it's I'll just say a different Nick, person doing it. Most of the decisions I don't think really are overturned. It's just the least offside decisions that are overturned because it's factual. Yeah. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm for it. I think that quite a lot of people are actually for it, to be honest with you. Um, but uh, maybe, you know, people are more inclined to sort of say something when they you know because of the change and they're not happy with it whereas people that are happy with it just keep quiet and just just think yeah i'm happy with this and just go with the flow um but yeah i think i think it it needs to improve i do agree with you that it probably we need to get into a a stage where the uh it's it's displayed on the um, big screen at the grounds you know actually what Mm. they're looking at that would help i thought it was originally bought in the whole idea behind it was to to sort of overturn howling errors like the wrong player being sent off mm-hmm. or somebody being ridiculously offside and it, it not given. Not millimetres offside. I mean, I, I know that's the rule, mm-hmm. but it's... It was spent to overturn clear and obvious error, wasn't it? I understand yeah. that was why it was brought in. Uh, Nick, we could obviously talk about VAR all day, but it was three points. It was 2-1. It was a brilliant away win. Palace are sitting yep. there in six, you know, same points as another top four team. You've got to be feeling good about this start to the season, Nick. Let's talk about the game and the start of the season you've made. How happy are you with how it stands going into this second international break? Well, considering I don't think we've been playing that well for half of the games, I'm very, very happy that we're going into the next five games and every game is a six-pointer. <laughs> yeah. When Which you say, good. what do you mean, Nick, six-pointer? What, what would you mean by that? <laughs> well, when, you, when you're near the end of the season and you're in a relegation zone and you, you're playing one of the teams around you, it, it's seen as a six-pointer because you're moving, you know, you, you're making a gap of, potentially six points away from the other team. So you, you can still have that at the top of the league. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, a couple of weeks, three weeks' time, we could be sitting top of the league. Of course it won't happen. Of course we're going to be on the receiving end of a man, man seat thumping simply because they got turned over by Wolves. But it is what it is. I don't think we're going to go down now. I think we're going to easily reach the 40-point mark that we're looking for. And to avoid relegation by Feb- January, February, that would be a vast improvement on previous seasons. And then, you know, we might push for Europe a little bit. Um, but it's, it, it'll be nice not looking behind us and worrying and just have a, a season of mid-table mediocrity. I tend to agree with you, Nick, that we maybe haven't played as well as, you know, the results are sort of showing. But, um, and, and I'm a bit worried because we have got some really tough fixtures coming up, haven't we? Um, yeah. So I think uh, we're going to have, I think, you know, give it, I'd like to have this, obviously we will have this conversation in, in uh, six weeks or so time. But, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we were in the bottom half in in six or seven weeks' time. But then again, you know, vice versa. You know, if we carry on as we are and we pick up the odd surprise here or there, then we could we could still maintain sort of you know top ten. 
but you're right. I, personally, I think that we we are so desperate for a striker that you know, um, if we don't get one in January, like Roy says, then we're just really going to be possibly struggling. Yeah, yeah, we are. But then why he's doing all right? He could do. We could do with him being a little bit quicker. But the sheer effort he puts in, and the fact that he's willing. I mean, look at Ben Teke when he came on. He was on for three minutes, he was offside and then got booked. Yeah, I don't know why yeah. he's still coming on, actually. I thought he'd given up on him as a substitute. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe he's got a playing cause <laughs> when, he's, when, he's, um, when he's fit. I've... Can I can I just mention the marathon, Mark? She's on Saturday. Yeah. So we've got loads and loads of Crystal Palace fans walking around South London to Trafalgar Square. So can I wish everybody who's doing that good luck? And I'm sorry I can't be with you this year. Um, but if you go to... Um, com. Uh, I think there's details on there of how you can raise some money because we've still got about 1,200 quid we need to raise. Well, hopefully we'll raise it. Uh, definitely visit uh, that page, check it out, anything you can do. We wish everyone good luck with that marathon on the weekend. Uh, Nick, thank you so much for joining you. Hopefully we'll get to see you back in the studio next week. Nick Gillard there talking everything about the Eagles from the back of the Nest podcast. Always a pleasure to speak to Nick. It won't be the show if we didn't get to hear his views. Yeah. Not happy with VAR, but the... The voice in the studio, you two, is saying that you're pleased with VAR and not just because it went Palace's way this weekend. Um, I mean, look, I'm I'm pleased with VAR because I understand why it's there. It's, I've said it from day one because I, w- I watched the NBA and even in the NBA, they, there is a similar type of um, where the referees go and watch um, replays from decisions in the last two minutes. And not every decision is correct. It depends on how you interpret it. And that's why I feel like it adds a bit of drama. That was drama there. Mm. Like, I, 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 mean, I do agree. Like, it was the 88th minute and I was watching the game. I was like, what is going on? Mm. What is going on? And it just added a bit more like bust to the actual celebration because I was like, yes, yes. Like it's gone again. It's gone for us. Exactly. In the outside perspective, I'm not a Palace fan and I'm watching. I'm like, is it, well, what are they giving it? Are they, are they not giving it? People say, oh, the moment of euphoria is taken away. But there's more moments added in because you're yeah. waiting there and everyone is literally waiting on this one decision. For the home fans and the away fans, it's either joy or despair, isn't it, Jeff? Yeah, I was just about to say, added to the excitement because in fact, you know, you could argue that there was more of a cheer from the VAR decision than there was, you know, when there was a goal. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, you know, I think the because you t- know you've won it, then don't you? It's Absolutely. Huge. And the TV panned to the crowd, and I think yeah, there was, was a brilliant. section with Palace fans and West Ham fans, and the West Ham yeah, fans like, were absolutely gutted and really sort of throwing their fists in the air. Um, but the Palace fans were just uh, jubilant. Very, very quickly, I went to ask when uh, Van Harnock scored that penalty. Was he doing the hammers to rub it in, or was that his own no, celebration? He, just, like, he does that. I don't know why. Because I was like, whoa. <laughs> Yeah, but I was yeah talking about Vanano. I was like, my heart was sinking when he actually stepped up, take the penalty because he hasn't had the greatest start of the season, and yeah. It's good for him to score it. We all got excited just at the end of the show, but we have come to the end of the show. This has been the Crystal Palace Fan Show on Last Book Radio with the Back of the Nest podcast, James Howard and DR Connors. You can catch it next Tuesday, 8 till 9, every week on Last Book Radio. Next up, though, it is QPR. Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? 
at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.